0: In our country, the way it works right now, they don't violate like
1: free speech. Uh, it's not like you're yelling fire in a building. You're not. I Let's understand. Be clear. Clear. Sam <laughs> thinks you should be able to scream that Sandy Hook was fake.
0: Yeah, I do, and I'll die on that hill. I'm going to tweet about it later,
1: but and that's I, where we disagree. Yeah. It's the root cause. He's willing to die on the
2: same hill as so many crisis actors of years past. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god.
0: Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Sam.
2: I'm Casey. I'm Jeremiah.
0: And it's just us today. We don't have a guest for you. Casey and Jeremiah and I are going to uh, see if we can get ourselves canceled today. We'll see. This might be the last episode <laughs> of the podcast. Um, but before we get into why and what, we're plan- what we are we want to talk about and the direction we want to take this, uh, I do want to... I-, I thought of a story from... Um, I mentioned last week that I was at that newfound glory show and there was a moment I wanted to mention from it and I'm going to tie it into this, like a cheesy shit ass youth pastor. I'll do it. (laughs) I think I can do it. Um, But yeah, so at the show, there's always people who are dressed like characters, right? Not actual characters, just people just hamming it up. You're at a show, people want to ham it up. Uh, And there's a kid
1: in the suit the, the like token kid in a suit at the back of the show.
0: Yeah. There's one dude in like a track suit with a thick ass like gold chain. It was kind of fake, but he looked kind of pimping and I don't know. There's a couple of guys dressed like that. They clearly came as like a like a squad together and slicked back hair, uh unzipped track jacket with like a like a wife beater underneath it with a thick gold chain. And they were very like not just like the, the, the track jacket suits were like very patterned, very patterned. Uh but there was this guy that that just he was so everyone noticed him. You wouldn't have you couldn't have not noticed him. He had uh jean overalls on with no shirt, real big guy, no shirt, and you could they were low enough where you could see like his tidy whiteies, his stomach kinda hanging over his tidy whiteies with the band flipped over and his it's all low. He's got a and he's got like a straw hat on. And he
1: might be my senator. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So I've seen this guy around. He seems like a fun, like loving dude. And, and I don't know. Show It's a pop punk show, right? So a lot of people are just happy and having a good time. Uh Very, a lot of positive vibes and the bathroom lines. It's an outdoor show. So it's just Porter potties. And there's a long line. Like I, lines got pretty long. A lot of them, but I was, so I'm standing, I'm standing behind this kid and where he says like a couple of things to me. Every, you know he'd been drinking i can always tell like i always feel like if someone talks to me out like unexpectedly they must be drinking because i would never talk to a stranger unless i was maybe he was just a friendly guy but we're standing there waiting to get like into the the bathrooms and everyone's been in line for a good few minutes and and that guy with the uh, overalls just goes and walks right up to the front starts his own line because there's probably like six lines right and each line is kind of like blocked off to take a three or four stalls. And this guy just goes, whoop walks right up, stands in the very front, puts his hands on his hips. And the guy in front of me just turns around and looks at me and we make eye contact for probably three seconds. And then just like double over laughing, like, because this guy doesn't give a shit. He's just like, if, if I was like, obviously if you're going to wear this to a show, you don't give a shit about lines. You don't care about anything. You're going to do what you want. And no one's going to stop you. Like who's going to say anything. So we're just laughing about that. And, and, and we started talking about like just strangers having moments. Like it was just, I don't know this guy from anyone, but we just connected over something silly and funny. And I feel like something neat happens between two humans that share a silly moment like that, that don't know each other. Uh, But what made it even funnier was um, he goes into the, one of the stalls who knows which one, but the guy in front of me, it was now his turn to get to like, to, to get a stall next, and I think he knew the girl in the line next to him. She's like, "Dude, one of those is open, like, because you know how in a uh, porter potty, it's like they have like the occupied or not, like or vacant for the like on the locks if you close them." So she just keeps yelling, "She's like, that one says vacant. What are you doing?" And uh so he goes over to open it, and he just swings the door open, and it's that guy who cut the line just taking a piss. <laughs> And he turns around, he like, he, he turns his head over his shoulder and does like this wink and like side smile, like with a big head nod and looks at everyone who's standing in line with just like big wink and a smile. And, uh, so we're all just laughing about that. And he, the guy comes out of the bathroom. He's just like, Every, did you guys see, everybody saw that? Everyone saw it. He just tried to see my dick. That guy was trying to look at my dick. And he's like, just like, making a scene. And that was it. It was funny. Uh, and now I'm going to tie this into this is my shitty youth pastor attempt. Uh, I didn't really intend to tie this in at all, but either way, I don't know what any like you're standing in line with a bunch of complete strangers and I you feel like you kind of connected them over something funny, had a little bit of conversation after the fact and then you went about your day. And I don't know what those people thought about anything about the deeper questions of the universe. Uh, Whether or not they voted for Trump or Biden or didn't vote at all, so I I think that that is neat in that you can actually connect with people regardless of of what they think about anything. You don't have to know what they think about anything to be able to have a moment with somebody you know or don't know. Uh, So for everybody listening, one of the things that what we are kind of interested in talking about that I don't feel like we've gotten into a lot, Um, Casey. I mean, you and I have shared our opinions about plenty of things, but starting a podcast uh, and and trying to be transparent about who you are and what you think, especially when you're somewhat intentionally, maybe somewhat unintentionally grouping yourself into the whole quote unquote deconstruction world. uh, It gets tough to, to feel like you might always be able to be authentic. And we don't have any problem pushing back against the right uh, or the conservative side of things, because we lived in that world for so long, and we've found that it was insufficient for us. And it's easy to just dog on it, make fun of it. It's so, it's grafted into our upbringing so much that it's as simple as making fun of any aspect of your childhood, joking on your parents for something silly. That whatever. But I feel like as we as we do this. Uh, things have the uh, potential to snowball and, and the deconstruction world is, is very much, I want to say liberal. I want to maybe say progressive, but I don't think that, I think liberal might maybe be more left leading. Yeah. Cause like there's obviously a lot of different ways to be left or liberal. Uh, but Casey, again, we've talked about seeing a lot of the same trappings. On the left is the right. If you say the wrong thing, you don't toe the line. You're an imposter. You're a fake. You're a fraud. And I I feel like things are kind of getting away from everyone. It feels like a runaway train in some ways. And I think that that's just what I want to talk about. There's a few things particularly that we can get into about it. But I want to spend some time this episode going over... I I mean, some of our intentions for starting the podcast, uh, the difficulty of maintaining a posture of uh, uh, transparency. I want to be, but without dragging other people into it, right? I don't really have a right to throw a lot of people's business out. And I've had a lot of shit go on in my life. You guys know it, what's going on, but there's a lot that I don't feel like I can talk about here uh, as I need to, it just wouldn't be necessarily appropriate, but Probably if anyone wants to join the Discord, you might get a little bit more of, of what's those kinds of things in the Discord. But uh, there's just anyway, there's a lot going on in our society, whether it's talking, whether it's movies, comedy, politics, uh, le- left leaning deconstruction, Twitter. Uh, there's a, just a lot of spaces in our world right now that feel like we're having to have like But everyone needs to have conversations about how we're navigating it or you don't need to plant your flag in and, and choose a side or anything like that. But I do think that I, I I'm afraid of being ambiguous and trying to fit into a space out of fear of, you know, someone just having a problem with your take or something like that. So I'm going to turn it over to you guys to follow up on the fucking 10 minutes of monologuing that I just did. God damn.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, We, we have gone back and forth quite a bit about this. And I, I, I've thought about it a lot, like over time, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about, okay, have I misrepresented anything that I actually think or believe, or have I misrepresented my, my commitment to this or that, or, or my certainty on this issue. And I don't know, you know, I, I, it's funny, like, uh, I had a guy reach out. He he wanted us to do like a joint podcast with with him. He had his own kind of deconstruction podcast. And Sam like couldn't do it. So I, I did it by myself. And we got, you know, we started talking a little bit about that kind of stuff. Because he asked me some pretty direct questions about my political leanings and ideological leanings and stuff. And uh, you can't hear it because apparently he never put it out which I, I just discovered this week. I went looking back. I'm like, I never heard anything about this ever again. Oh, Oh, it, it never came out. Okay. That's, that's cool. That's
0: the second time that's happened,
1: <laughs> but I, I, I yeah, it is. <laughs> that's how, you know, it went bad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> For them. I thought wh- the other one was that, um, the, uh, what the heck was the name? S- of that? It was called speculate, speculate with, with, us. with us. Yeah. Oh we did that, yeah. Talking about guns and gun rights and shit like that.
1: And, I don't think that
0: it went the way they expected it to.
1: (laughs) No, but uh, you know, he had asked me something about that. And I said, I said, you know, I think one of the things like one of the like long lasting impacts of growing up the way that we did. And like this, the Bible is the inerrant word of God. And it's this, 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 and this, and you have to believe it this way, literally, or else, you know, what, what rock do you have to stand on and stuff? And, you know, sorting that all out as i got older left me with a real distaste for ideology yeah and we've talked about the ideological spiral that all movements seem to fall into eventually where you know no matter what role they have in a particular event or in a policy or something like that if it goes poorly there's never a moment of like well Yeah, I guess maybe we were wrong or maybe we misjudged this or that. It's so easy to be like, well, you know, we really didn't implement it in a pure enough way. I mean, if we had a pure enough representation of the doctrine of the ideology that we all know is true, then it would have gone perfect. And you see this especially like the the right is like so such a perfect example of that, you know, libertarianism especially like some piece of legislation gets repealed and they're very excited. And then when there's bad effects, they're like, well, you know, it just when you there's all these other regulations that interfered with the end result. That stuff drives me crazy. Yeah. And so like it's it's I I have a hard time. I really don't want to be subscribed to a given standpoint that supposedly explains everything. Yeah.
0: I think another uh, another aspect of wanting it's weird because there's a people talk in private probably differently than they do in public in some way and it's not like a misrepresentation of yourself or that you're a total scumbag in private but when you know you don't have to qualify what you say or your jokes or anything like that it helps uh, when you you know I it, I it feels like at times we we may go out of our way to qualify something for the public uh, in order to make sure that, you know, they understand you. I think that can go too far and you spend way too much time qualifying statements that probably don't necessarily need to be, but something that I, I'm kind of dealing with uh, is how to represent myself publicly as someone who's back in school to become a counselor, right? There's certain ways that I feel like, I don't know, I don't want things to come back to get me, uh, I guess is my fear that if Understandable. You make those jokes or uh, <laughs> r- representing yourself wrong. In a, and it's recorded like your apology later on for your misrepresentation isn't going to maybe hold a lot of weight if a student finds it or something like that. You want to be able and to make
2: a dumb joke or just like have a hot take without that being a reflection of who you are as a person when you're trying to do your very serious job of helping someone get their life sorted out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: it's a tough thing to battle because i like making jokes about that may be in poor taste sometimes or that like i mean a lot of this is like fine like grown-ups can, any grown-up or teenager can listen to this but it it changes the dynamic if if somebody you're counseling knows it right like for example harping i'll harp on conservative evangelicalism fundamental evangelicalism all day i know it well i come from it it's like making fun of someone in your family, you know, like it, and because I, I think there are times where if other people say awful things about them, I'm like, well, you know, I know some good people who are like that. And then it, it, it might hit you the wrong way, depending on who says it and how, uh, yeah. and the level of vitriol. But I'll say, I could say the same thing. And, just
2: But you like, think you believe you're doing it from a position of like there is still some love there or some respect or like a, I actually understand the good sides of it. So when I bring a critique, it means something. Versus you're just trying to tear them down. So you're an idiot. Yeah, you don't it's, know what you're it's also about. probably
0: a little bit of self defense and yeah, you know, getting on my high horse. I'm not trying to absolve myself from <laughs> any sort of well, arrogance. But I think what is difficult is if I'm going to having 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 kind of built a small platform where what we do is address these things. I mean, the last thing on earth I need is for uh, someone who is involved in that world, you know, who was born into it and is also in high school. Cause I, I, so I don't, I think I've mentioned it. School adjustment counseling is my direction. So if I have a student like myself, when I was 15 years old, uh, the last thing on earth you really need them knowing about is, Maybe your feelings about conservative evangelicalism—that's going to put you in a, a weird spot with someone. Put them
1: on the defensive, and you're an enemy. Yeah, you know. So, I think may- maybe we should clarify too. The with the way that we're setting this whole thing up, this this isn't intended to be like some tired boring, played out cancel culture rant, like, go cancel culture. It's more, it's not about, I don't want to be punished for saying what I, what I think. It's more about like, I don't want to, I don't want to misrepresent. I don't want to let outside pressures make me misrepresent what I think or, or say, you know, ascribe something that I don't believe or that I do believe and not to the right extent or whatever, only to have it come back and disappoint people because you weren't honest about who you were and part of the reason that this has come up and we've talked a lot about it is because you know we've talked to a lot of people so far in this pod and this is a young show but we've talked to a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds and you know it's funny how many people like we we do the episode um everything's get you know there's there's always a little bit of a you know an intro period where you're feeling each other out and you know, there, your, your guard starts to come down when you start to realize like what kind of person it is and stuff. And it's, it's, it's been interesting to hear how many people like once we, once we turn off the recording and we're just settling down and just talking back and forth between people, how many people that like they're you would by all accounts think that they are like right in line with like this, you know, left-leaning, ex-evangelical uh, point of view that, that's pretty, you know, well-articulated on Twitter and stuff like that, how many of them kind of express that they're not completely down with all of that? And, and and you know, it's it's funny, it strikes you as weird, but it really shouldn't. Because, I mean, who is going around ascribing, like, all of the values of a single movie? You know, you don't have a... a it's rings of it. statements of faith that, you know, that shit. Yeah. It really yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like doctrine. It's a statement that, you know, maybe you don't sign, but by being a part of that conversation, like it's kind of assumed that you agree to all of it.
0: Yeah. I, I, another thing is I, I, that makes me, Oh, like if I end up being wrong, first of all, people don't change their minds overnight. they, we didn't, right? Like, if I end up being wrong about something, I I would I hope I am still self-aware enough where I can admit that at some point. And I think that I'm okay being wrong. I truly think that I'm okay being wrong on a lot of things. I don't think I hold my ideologies too tight. I don't really express them too specifically. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think learning new information and changing your mind is become something that i've become accustomed to and and after admitting you've been wrong about so many things the last thing on earth i want to do is double down on where i'm at now and i, I don't think that's helpful and i think that's right what I, I think that's what i see in a lot of like ex-evangelical twitter and i think that's where some of this is coming from is the internet ex-evangelical spaces or are- is an
2: echo chamber of a different like every. Social media is designed to create echo chambers in an amoral, algorithmic way. It's nothing. There's no giant design for this. It's just the way they are designed, they will reward echo chambers of a certain type, and then they'll reward when those echo chambers clash with others. But while you guys were talking about it, what I've been thinking is, like, is it a somewhat recent thing that people had to have stances on something? (laughs) <laughs> there was a thing that you talked about not that you couldn't have like opinions about specific facets of a situation but letting people know what your stance is on this overarching issue like unless you were a, a writer who jotted all that stuff down like 40 years ago where would you express that like you could get into long conversations with friends or maybe i guess people in public but like unless you're part of a debate club or you write opinion pieces for the local paper or whatever, what venue are you going to be in where your stance on this whole issue matters? Or anyone cares to hear it?
0: Yeah, which is what you do in a bio, essentially. You sum up your political or religious ideologies in like 15
2: words. Liberal, BLM, <laughs> uh, anti-whatever. whatever. whatever the, or, well, what I was thinking about while you guys were talking was like, I don't know what my stance is on guns. I own a lot. Of course, I grew up, you know, pretty conservative. I own some of the guns that are supposed to be pretty scary that that a lot of people that I agree with on a lot of things think I'm not supposed to be able to own or I shouldn't own or that, you know, they're horrible baby killers or whatever. And like, I know a lot of those people just don't know what they're talking about, but I don't know that I could actually sum up what what am I talking about when it comes to guns, the overall issue of guns, like Mm -hmm, I, I own a bunch. I target shoot uh you well know, there's a, that's all there, i need to know we'll there, see you next a, time Gary, yeah, there's like Jesus. there's like a zero chance you know in the back of my head somewhere i have thought about like well if somebody was to break into my house how would i use one of my guns to defend me you know i have a shotgun under my bed it's really nice not having kids sometimes because you can just leave <laughs> <laughs> just lay a shotgun on the ground um uh, but but like at the same time i know i hate the nra like I think that's a horrible organization. I I strongly dislike and disagree with most aspects of modern popular gun culture, not because anything about the guns themselves, because it has co-opted so many other like quasi racist nationalist, other viewpoints, anti-immigration, anti-liberal, like a whole bunch of other stuff. And I feel like I can't participate in that conversation because that's so many things that I disagree with. But at the same time, I don't feel like the solution to everything is like, well, obviously guns are completely fine, amoral things that no one should ever have any concerns about no matter what. Like, I've got questions. I've got concerns. I don't know 100% how I feel about some of this stuff. And I don't know how to sum any of that up in a way that I could communicate to someone in a tweet or a series of tweets. Yeah. And I think it's in my best interest to like, if you have a specific question about a specific thing, I feel like I can talk about that. But I don't know what my stance is. And I don't know what my stance is on a whole lot of things. And I'm like you said, you're trying to leave yourself open to, well, whatever it is now, it's probably not going to be the same as it is in five or 10 years. And I need to leave myself open to my thinking on this may evolve as I hopefully learn more and get smarter about something or more educated on it. But, you know, I don't know how to sum all that up, but why should I have to?
0: Yeah. Why does anyone care? It doesn't need to be equipped. You don't need all of your beliefs or, you know, you don't like, so I like your point, you know. Uh, do you have to have a stance on everything? Can you just not know where you stand and be open to information as it comes your way? I think that's acceptable. I think that doesn't fit into the you know that the box system that people have. Uh, okay, this this fits here. You fit there. Now I can you know sort these out and decide what I need because it's just an easy way to sort and organize. Like that's what our brains are trying to do. You're grouping things together. You're trying to make sense of your world, and I think that. I, I Yeah. I And I think that there isn't. I think what's also interesting is if you're coming to these spaces with an open mind or if you don't have a, a completely parsed out stance, as you're saying, you might not have even on on something as polarizing as the, the gun issue is like you, there's not a lot of spaces you can enter into online, uh, maybe even in person where you can have those conversations. And that those are ultimately have been almost like wiped out. Uh, the discourse it, we and that we've been forced in echo chambers. I think it ties in a little bit. I might be wrong, but I think it ties in a little bit with this. Um, normal. This is probably the poorest, and these are the caveats, right? These are this is the qualified. Yeah, don't make any caveats, I Sam. Just tell, no. Just tell us what you think. Just tell yeah. us what
2: you think. You're gonna think you're dumb anyway. It's fine. Yeah.
0: It's now I lost my train of thought. So Sorry. That's not too no, I'm, because that's because, I, again, going back to these issues of wanting to qualify things to not be misunderstood. But I think living in in a time where we've conflated uh, anxiety or needing to set up boundaries with feeling uncomfortable by conversation or in a certain setting, we've done ourselves a disservice by eliminating conversations with people we don't agree with and having I'm not saying that's always gone well. You look at the founding fathers fucking killing each other in a duel over some dumb shit. Like we know that I'm not trying to like make it sound like things used to be great or we did this better at some point. I think the Internet has ultimately made things worse, but I don't think that that means uh, there wasn't a time or there aren't spaces throughout history where we've been able to do this. Uh,
2: And I think the fact that everyone calls it the Internet like that's where people ascribe the issue to means that it still does work in a lot of actual society because you can go out in public and be around all kinds of people. Like you said, the concert, uh, your politics weren't relevant to the concert or weren't relevant to that thing going on. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you wouldn't still be mad. Like if somebody next to you said something like really racist or out of line, like you wouldn't jump on them and be like, yeah, that's not cool. And probably a lot of other people around you would too. It just means that, You can have a human experience with these people and it doesn't really matter what box they fit into. As long as they're treating you with respect and you're treating them with respect, people are able to put aside like they know that you know that there's differences with these people, but that's okay because fundamentally, they're still people treating each other with kindness and you're a person treating them with kindness. And for this particular interaction, that's all that's required. Like, that's fine. It doesn't matter what they think about all this other stuff.
1: I think that's that's a huge point. And one that gets lost in the shuffle a lot of times, especially when you're around the same type of people a a large majority of the time. And, you know, I've talked about on here quite a bit about like the vast majority of people in my orbit on an everyday basis are very conservative. A lot of them are Christians and a lot of them ascribe beliefs that would be a real problem for a lot of the people who, you know, we connect with here. Who who I know through other channels, you know, um, and and like, I mean, just on the question like gay rights and stuff, a lot of the people that I know have some viewpoints that I don't, I think, are gross, and I don't agree with, and I don't know exactly what to do with them on that. But what I do know too, though, is that I have no doubt that when those people come into contact with LGBTQ people in the real world they're they're gonna be they're gonna treat them normally like they're not gonna take a a a stand by you know calling out someone in a public place and stuff and i mean you know what's the most interaction that we have with most people you know a a cashier at a at a, a business or a waiter or waitress at a restaurant obviously there are people out there that suck that do awful things and say awful things to people in those scenarios but I don't know that there's very many people that I know personally that would do those types of things. And and here's why that why that matters. And everything in this in these types of discussions, you know, the part of the problem here is that everything is like categorized as good versus bad. Yeah. We're the good guys versus the bad guys. And we have to face down the Republicans or the liberals on this issue and we got to beat them and stuff and like that's really useful for the people who are at the top of that order and and you know depending on votes and things like that but the 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 problem is is that like i can say whatever you think would be best to those people that are in my life if i spout off at them or if i insult them or if i like scream at them in some performative way to let them know where i stand you know, it, not in a way of like a, a compassionate, like corrective way of here's hey man, here's here's where I think you're not seeing this the same way as me or whatever. We're done. Like we close that discussion off and that's it. And, you know, for a lot of these people, the way that we can hope that they change is is by having interaction with us on a daily basis or on a regular basis. Like living next to you and seeing the way you live and the way you think and learning to trust you might eventually help shape their opinions on some of those things. But the vast majority of them are still going to go to the grave thinking some version, watered down or not, of what they think now. And that's what the problem is with like this... We have to stand up and defeat these people on this and that and the other. I mean, everyday life is not, you know, it doesn't come down to a a, a vote on November 2nd. And like these people, I mean, whatever it is, you know, whatever stand you're taking with them, like they're still going to be there after November 2nd. They're still going to be your neighbors. They don't die if you vanquish them on the on the, you know, election day or whatever. And like you can't burn your relationships to the ground or 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 grandstand to these people and expect to have some sort of long-term effect cuz the next battle is just around the corner. I mean, this plays out over and over and over again. And I don't I don't know. I I feel like I'm kind of
2: jumbled up here, but well, could I try to clarify one thing you're saying? Cuz yes. I think um... If this comes across like we're all sitting here being like the solution is to be in the middle. I don't think that anyone here is making like a call for moderation for moderation's sake, because like there is actual evil in the world. We can all debate about what that is, but like there is actual evil. There's things you ought to stand up for and generally trying to like ride the fence only serves the people who are abusively in power and they're counting on your apathy to be like, well, let's everybody just try to meet in the middle somewhere between Nazis are good and Nazis are bad. Maybe Nazis are just okay some of the time, right? Like this isn't one of those <laughs> of things. Like, things, yeah. but it's, but if you, if I can go back to what you're saying, like about, you know, people who think bad things, things you think are gross about LGBTQ people, but they treat them well, like, yeah, I would be willing to bet that if you push them a little bit in a friendly conversation where they think you're on their side or at least open to their side they probably don't ascribe to a lot of the worst political Twitter takes commentator takes or whatever about how like everybody who's gay is grooming your kid and they're all pedophiles and blah, blah, blah. Like that's one of the current (laughs) hot conversations right now. Right. Yeah. You have to be careful not to lump that person, you know, in with that hateful ideology that someone else is saying, just because the person saying the hateful stuff and the person, you know, probably agree on a lot of other issues. Like, it's very possible that that person, you know, is like, you know, well, I don't, I don't know about the whole gay thing, which is how a lot of them would say it, but like. I mean, I got I got some issues with it, but like, I, you know, my like this person I know, their son turned is gay and he's nice. I don't know. Like they they don't really have a whole lot to actually compare to. But like you said, they treat people with overall kindness and respect, even if they disagree with them. So like you have to treat them based on who they are and what they actually stand up for. Now, if they're going all off on Facebook or like standing up at the family reunion to loudly shout down your gay cousin. Or something, Yeah. All right. Maybe you need now to we got involved. a different you know, situation. Exactly. But that's not the type of person you're talking about. You're talking about like, are your parents going to think the gays are wrong all the way to the grave? Maybe like you may not win that one, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be hateful towards them in person or that you can't find some common ground on the way people ought to be treated, regardless of whether or not you agree to them or agree with them or whatever. Like there's a lot of common ground that can be had that even if they never come over to your side, you yeah. can still Round, help round them out as a person on that issue
0: yeah and I think to even jump off on your your Nazis example because I think it actually is helpful because what what no one's trying to do or I should say what people have now tried to is look back on that and go how did we how did how did that happen like it it's not like everyone who was do like there was a lot of justifications actually and we have um it might be coming out next week after this comes out. Uh, our conversation with Brian McLaren, where I think he kind of talks about this a little bit. Uh, and it's like, no one's trying to make excuses for oh. noise, but we're trying to understand how that happened now. And that doesn't make you a sympathizer or a middle grounder. You're like, look, we live in a world where that, that was able to happen with a place that considered itself 80% Christian, probably when have looked a lot different than maybe our culture or other cultures, throughout history, but somehow all those people were able to be rallied into, into contributing to one of the worst genocides in human history. Uh, and then go home and eat dinner with their family and tuck their kids in and give them a kiss on the forehead and say, good night. Like no one's trying to find a middle ground there, but there it, it's not to your disadvantage to look at what happened, understand it and try to figure out how to prevent something like that from happening again. And I'm not necessarily sure that that ties in specifically to uh, where you ended up, Jeremiah, where it's just like where where you're like, oh, how does this person act in the world? But I think it does give you an idea of maybe which people are more likely to be pulled in one direction versus another. And I think your influence can matter. But I think what I want to talk about specifically is not this could go either way. This is go, uh, go a couple of different directions. But We'll start here. We'll say, "What's the intent of of your interactions with people? Right are Are you trying to make converts? Are you trying to make copies of yourself? Are you trying to be evangelistic with your message, uh, whether you're on the left or the right? Is that your is is the intent to to pull people over to your side of of the fence? Or and I think even before or, I think the intent matters, right? Because if you're going to say something inflammatory, which we've all done, well, maybe me more than you guys, but if, if I've said something inflammatory on the internet, I knew I was doing it. You get to a point where you go, I don't fucking care anymore. Like I, I'm so aggravated. I'm so angry. I want people to understand that that's my anger. I want people to know that this is how I feel. And you might feel that way in the moment and you might not the next day. Could go,
2: but you're, you're articulating yeah. something that's supposed to be a summation of how you feel, like you're trying to share some information to convey a feeling because you want other people to understand how you feel. And so, the people who agree with you might sympathize with the feeling, or the people who disagree with you might also like sympathize with the feeling in a different way, like they understand the feeling. But I think what you said is pretty telling. A lot of what people do, especially on Twitter, is like hot takes after something happens, yeah, it's sharing they're trying to communicate how they feel about the situation but because the whole platform revolves around engagement you have to get people to engage in order for them to see your feeling so you immediately have to like sign yourself up for a side and have a really spicy opinion on it uh or otherwise no one's going to engage no one cares and it's not like people care about the words that you're saying they care that you are co-signing the feeling that they're having too like they're scared about the proliferation of guns And what that means for elementary school students, right? Like they're scared about domestic violence and that domestic abusers can buy guns. They may not understand all the specifics, but your spicy tweet, I don't think you had any spicy tweets about this, but your spicy tweet about like, we ought to take every AR 15 away and melt them down into desks for schools or whatever. Like they don't care about the specifics. Most likely they care that you're coming in saying, I'm worried about this too. I'm upset about this too. I'm scared about this too. And I'm mad. And that's that's the only takeaway they have. I think that's why people get upset when tweets get dug up 10 years ago, you know, from 10 years ago. And people are like, well, I was a long time ago, blah, 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 blah. I think what actually makes people upset is they're like, that's just an off the cuff statement that can't be a summation of who this person is as a fully formed individual. And you're ready to rake them over the coals because of it. Now, sometimes that's absolutely deserved. Like sometimes one statement's all it takes to show how much of a scumbag somebody is. I'm not saying it's not, but like I think most of us innately know that, like, you can't sum this whole person up in this super stupid 140 characters where they were probably just expressing how they felt, not necessarily conveying a super crucial bit of factual information. Yeah, they were probably just venting of like, oh, man. A lot of people are moving into my neighborhood who don't look like me. It, well, I'm concerned yeah. about that. what does that mean no, for my children's okay, future. You lost me. No, you <laughs> just keep going back to yourself. Are- and it's frustrating.
0: <laughs> no, I and I think there's truth to so I think people are trying to express their anger. Um, I think they're trying to be validated. I think people want to be validated in that anger. Uh, but I, I think where I feel like I start to get lost, and I don't know. I think there's probably some good, reasonable pushback on this, and it, Someone wants to shoot us an email or a message. I'm here for it because I've talked before about even my friend Phil, who's been on the podcast. In um, the way that he ex- explained to me that he got this information from another another activist. But this idea that you're not trying to change hearts and minds, you're trying to pull everybody over one knot. So if you have five levels, uh, uh, like level one is and level five or their the position one and position five are complete opposite. And then you know if you're a one, two is your active allies or passive allies i guess it would be like
2: you're planting a yeah, seed for the holy spirit yeah, to work me, on so one
0: Sorry. would be like your active allies two would be your passive allies three would be neutral four would be your passive enemies and five would be your active enemy and if you're not trying to make your active enemies Active allies. That's like that. You're trying to. That would require moving people over too many notches. People don't go through ideological shifts like that in their life usually. So what you're trying to do is make your your active enemies passive, so they're less effective. Your passive enemies neutral, so they're just there. Uh, and you're anyone who's neutral, you want to just pull at least to be passive. Anyone who's passive, you want to make them actively on your team. So like, if you're looking at it from an activist perspective, which is what people on Twitter consider themselves often. As activists, okay, uh, you want to bring, I would imagine that that would be the goal, right? How how do I move this platform forward? You're not just like some dumb shit with some dumb take who just wants to complain, or even me, like, whatever. How many followers do I have on Twitter? Not a lot. But then you're talking about people with 25,000, 50,000, 100,000. And it still feels like they're going for the hot takes. And then everyone in their camp, all their active allies are like, woo, and they like it. And they retweet it. They're active enemies double down. Like it, it, we've created a double down culture. And it's not that you can't have your opinions. It's not that you're not entitled to them. It's not that you shouldn't have the right to express them on Twitter. I think I just want to point out the, again, going back to the intent, uh, if you are that that, that too- person's
2: intent is no different than like a high school girl posting a selfie in the mirror being like, "Haha, I look like a mess today." Like and- it's it's just a reach out for there is some insecurity and I would like some validation, please. And yeah. I'm not criticizing the high school girl any more than I am the person who's venting about some political issue on Twitter. Like it's it's just them going like, "Hey, remember me? Like I'd like a hug. I'd like a high five, please. Like I I would like something from you." if you'd be willing to give it and I will give it in return. But since we, you know, we're not actually speaking in person. I just like you to like this tweet, please. Thank you. Like I'm in your, I'm on your team. Like the tweet.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I if you're just someone who wants to express, but when you're, I think where I start to get lost is when you're someone who, who is, who claims to be an activist, someone who's voiced their intent to change the way people th- see things in your, your, your message is almost entirely geared towards people who are going to puff you up and say, that's exactly right. And like,
1: like it's so outlandish, like it's so far, it's so far over that you become like a talking point for the people who are trying to sell their view. Yes. Like this is what you're dealing with out there. This right here. So
0: this might be a bad time to bring it up and get into it, but I'm, it's probably, I'm sure there might be some people who, don't necessarily want to hear us talk about this, but uh, I'm probably going to maybe even say your last name wrong. But some of these conversations that we're having started offline between us over a tweet uh, that's made some traction from uh, Joe Lumen, And it her her, her tweet was essentially like, I don't, I would rather, God, it might be easier to just pull it Do you want out. me to
1: read it? Yeah, you have it. Actually. Yeah. I okay. Got it. Okay. So, She said, I would rather get an abortion than have a brown child who ends up being adopted by white evangelicals. It is not a kindness to children of the global majority to give them to people who will traumatize them with self and ancestral hatred. An abortion is an act of love.
2: Yeah. So that's a hot take. That's That's a a hot take. take.
1: It's been hot for her, for
0: sure. Now, (laughs) she's received a lot of awful messages from people, direct messages. She's received... I, I don't think... I think any threatening DMs that she gets are absolutely awful. I think those people should have their accounts suspended even permanently. If you threaten somebody through a direct message, just I don't give a shit about yeah, What, your, what like, are you
1: doing? It's like, like you should What is have an wrong anger. with you that you're... I don't know. Yeah.
0: So that's exactly. fine. Uh, I think some of the responses publicly that she's gotten was like, wow, that have responded to anger. I think there's been... I even, I think that some of the responses to those have been a little, um, like, well, it's just my opinion, uh, blah, blah. I, there's just a lot of, I, I get the communication around it gets weird, right? It's not a lot of characters. There's no, there's no, what do you mean about this or that? Uh, there's no, there's no diving deeper. Now she did, I haven't listened to it and I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to come at this uh, almost as neutral as possible. Cause I don't know her, uh, I don't have a real problem. Whether I don't, I don't think about her positions either way. This one just stuck out to me. She said a couple other things where I'm like, I don't know if that's necessarily the direction I'd take it, but uh, whatever. Uh, so, but my point is that I'm not investing uh, either way in this person's character or content. Uh, and I know that she did go on somebody's podcast who is a, a white Christian who has adopted uh, black children. And they had a conversation about it. And she said something about how, hey, like, thank you for, you know, a lot of people just said some shit and threw some shade. Thanks for being curious and reaching out. And I think it's cool that he did that. I don't think it's necessarily unreasonable for people to have not been curious enough to want to have a conversation because you're not coming at that as somebody who wants to have a conversation about that topic. You're you're coming at that from someone who might actively shut down a conversation about that topic or maybe potentially uh, be mm, like, maybe not have that teachable like candor uh, or that, that I not, not she necessarily thinks that you can teach her something, but like, I don't know, maybe not a generous spirit is the way I'll phrase it. I mean, she might not come at it that way. I don't know. Cause again, I don't know her, but my, I think I wanted to bring this up because that's an inflammatory take. And I had feelings about it um, on a personal level. I don't, I haven't adopted anybody, but I was, ai was, I'm still white. Uh, that hasn't changed. If anyone was wondering, but I was a white evangelical in my early to mid twenties. When I first ended up, rel- I, I, I didn't seek it out uh, at all. It came up, it just happened to really, uh, I, I became a foster parent for, nine, 10 year old black kid. And throughout the, throughout his life, he's now 19. Uh, I've been responsible for him and taking care of him. And I don't, yeah, of course, some of my thinking around, around race was probably backwards at that point in my life. Uh, but I didn't ask for, I, I didn't go out of my way. I wasn't trying to like, you know, fix this situation or do some sort of missionary thing. Uh, I just knew him and, and had invested in his life to the in a capacity that I knew how to the point where when he was removed from his his parents, uh, he, they it, he asked in court if he could come live with me. So, look, there's obviously nuance to this. You know, I, I know plenty of I know a handful of white people who have who have black children. And, uh, they were evangelical potentially at the time. And I don't know. I just am like that. A tweet like that says a lot. It it. it if you're an evangelical, you're going to hear that and be attacked on a couple you'll feel uncomfortable on a couple of fronts, right? You're going to say, "Well, first of all, that thanks for hating, I guess you think all evangelicals are trash and dangerous and children are better off dead than with them." And I use the word children are the words children are better off dead because that's how they're going to perceive any conversation around abortion. So you're hitting it in like on all of like the hot button issues that I'm not I just don't know I, if you would have to define i would have you have to know what her her opinion on what makes or doesn't make an effective tweet like i don't know what she would have found effective i don't know what her intent was i just don't think that whatever it is it it's going to shift anything clarify anything help anything but she's entitled to that opinion and she can absolutely say that all day long what i what gets a little old is when people make those statements and then act like the rest of the world is unreasonable for responding emotionally to a statement that was made that that's, that that's obviously going to solicit an emotional response. That's must be what its intent was, but to hide behind, well, I was just sharing my opinion.
2: Yeah. I that can't be her fault. Right. That can't be her full opinion because I'm sure I, I haven't heard anything from her before today. Uh, I don't know what she said when she was on the other podcast, but I'm sure if you talk to her, she probably is aware of like sure. white families that have do- have adopted kids of color and are great parents and stuff. Like, and she would probably say something along the lines of like, well, that's not the type of thing I'm talking about. I'm talking about like the missionary adoption type thing, you know, whatever. There's probably more nuance to it that she could probably get some common ground on with some people. Yeah, You could probably have a conversation of like, Hey, you think it's weird? that like white middle-class youth groups always want to go to some brown country for a mission trip where they don't really accomplish anything. Like instead of just spending $20,000 to send eight kids down there, like what if we just gave that money to some worthwhile cause in that country? Like, isn't, if you actually care about those people, is that maybe a better use of the money? Like why do you feel like this brown country needs your help? You know, like there's probably room for a nuanced conversation there that she's never going to get to have with a bunch of people based on something like this, because they're going to see that and instantly in their head, they're going to be like, well, you don't understand what you're talking about. Like that doesn't describe me. That's not me. And and
1: here's, here's what this, this part of the, the abortion conversation, just man, it elevates my temperature quick because I feel like this kind. This is the kind of thing that results from people trying to assemble talking points so that they can have an effective argument on Twitter and stuff like that. Like part, of, I think where some of this like anti-adoption talking points are coming from is to counteract the fact that like adoption is a counter-argument to abortion for conservatives, right? Mm-hmm. It's just give the baby up for adoption. I mean, I heard it this week. My truck, when it the Bluetooth is garbage on it, and so when it drops, it kicks me over to AM radio. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I keep it on this Catholic station just because it's like I can take crazy in like 30-second doses, you know? <laughs> and this
2: radio has got to be a pretty cool area.
1: Oh, Yeah. They, they hand out a lot of bumper stickers. Everybody's seen those Catholic radio bumpers. Anyways, this guy, uh, whoever was talking, was was discussing abortion. And he made this statement that was like, you know, it's said that there are two million couples across the U.S. that are looking to adopt, that are trying to adopt and would love a child. And, and, and yet this slaughter is happening on a daily basis. And that's a direct quote. And we've all heard that. I mean, if you grew up in this environment, you've heard that, right? And it makes me angry because I know so few people who have adopted in that community. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so few people. That is the counter argument every time this thing comes up is like just, well, give them up for adoption. Oh, well, you can always like let them be adopted. I mean, I'm sure there's some families out there. It's like, yeah, but not you, right? This is just an argument to you. Like you didn't adopt anybody. And yet, like, I have family members that have adopted. And adoption is a weird thing. It's a weird thing. There is definitely a lot of discussions to be had there about, like, cross-cultural adoption, you know. But there's a lot of reasons for families to adopt from overseas, right? There is a lot of reasons for it. And, you know, like, I I have family members who have adopted from uh, part of uh, Asia, that That is kind of known for, you know, they, they have a pretty streamlined adoption process. I don't think it's like faulty or from what I know about it. I mean, I don't think that it's like lax or anything like that, but it's a little easier to adopt from this area of the world. And that's part of the reason that that these people adopted from there. And like when I see like these dismissive, this, this, these just dismissive dumb takes on this, like Anybody who adopts from outside the, you know, if you're a white couple and you adopt a non-white baby, like you're just collecting them like Lego figures or you're something. colonizing
2: like them, you know. It, it makes me research. so
1: <laughs> angry because 90% of you're just like the evangelicals making the counter argument. What have you done? What? How many kids have you adopted? Why don't you shut up yeah, and well, just let people. You don't, people you you don't get to, like, why do you want to speak? For an entire group of people, and and isn't it more important? Like, there's a, arguments to be had there, and and c- questions about like, what is the proper way to help? A, you know, how do you promote a, a kid from another country or another c- culture? How do you promote their cultural understanding and help them find pride in that and understand it and all of that stuff? Like, there's a lot of shortcomings there, I'm sure, in these families. But to 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 just dismiss. Adoption as a whole, because it lets you just dismiss the conservative argument for it, is dumb. And you sound, you become a conservative talking point when you say these things. Yeah, it's, that's, it's that's what they'll use in their arguments to rally their base some more. It turns into like, uh, look, this is what we're dealing with on the other side. Like, he can't even talk to these people. What, what argument is there to be had with these people when they think this way? Uh, and... I mean, let's face it, you know, you, you t- when you look at like cable news, okay, we all know that certain topics are not tackled on cable news because of the monetary structure of that model, right? When, you're, when your segments are sta- sponsored by Halliburton and Northrop Grumman and uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Raytheon, you're going to have some soft takes on war and military conflict. Guaranteed, right? They pay the bills they keep the lights on. And that same dynamic exists in social media. You know, there's there's a reason to throw a hot take out there. It doesn't make it not true. It doesn't make it not what you think or you misrepresenting yourself. But, like, there's an incentive structure for for stoking those fires and, and saying something that's going to rile people up, get them angry, get them excited. There's people who've made an entire career. Like, Milo Yiannopoulos has made an entire career. I mean, maybe not recently but up until he got like ostracized from society that was like the whole model just say the most outlandish thing and you'll get traction and, and and attention and i think that's what irritates me about some of this discussion is like when that motivates what you say and what you say then becomes attributed as like a part of the dogma and the ideology of this group of people like that you you represent this group of people yeah it, Where does that line start and end between what you think and what you said and what, you know, what was the, why did you say it was it to get likes and retweets and all that stuff? You know, that's, that's, that's a personal matter that, that you have to sort out for yourself. But it's, it's hard to ignore when you see things that are just like, you just look at it and you're like, does a real person actually think this? Like, is this something that a person actually believes?
0: Yeah. And it's weird. I think Twitter is a weird space. Cause it's like, uh, it's hard. Maybe there are people out there who have moved past this, but it's hard for me to think that anyone's really tweeting without hoping that it goes somewhat viral. Like you want that. That's what it rewards. It's like a, it's like basic behaviorism and it's like finest, you know, it's, right. not, it's not, it's just, I do it. If I say, so, I'm like, Oh, what can I say? Oh, that's funny. If I say that, well, Will it get shared and re- will it get retweeted and liked a lot, whatever. It's like, I'm not. So I think that's also worth pointing out that I don't, I'm, I, I don't think anyone's, uh, I think whatever, I don't know, whatever criticisms there are uh, not to level the playing field, but I'm not saying that some of these thoughts of an outbursts or wanting to have these hot takes, like they're not something that anyone's really immune from. I think, taking a second to think about like your motivations for it and, and why you're doing it might be a little helpful. I think something to tie into all this too, just to keep bring in the, I don't know uh, examples that are nobody really wants to talk about. Um, Is All right. So if there's, the, there's this idea that if you, if someone has a bad take on something, but it's someone that you liked you, you're, you will now be put into a box of people that co-signs onto that bad tape. So if you like that person or like their product, now you like everything that they stand for, or you should be associated with it and you should be cut
2: off. Uh, Really? You just, you want to like some songs. You're not into the whole pissing on kids things. R. Kelly, right guys? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) But like, I mean, R. Kelly is not necessarily a bad example because, Remix to Ignition slaps. We can't pretend it doesn't. Uh, But what do we do with that? How about all the money for plays on Remix to Ignition go to help? I don't know. Prevent R. Kelly from peeing on people ever again. Let's (laughs) maybe start there, which we're in good shape because he's going in jail, but he might. Seems like a probable and realistic solution. He might (laughs) be on people in jail. I could see it going in that direction. Uh, I hope he doesn't have a cellmate. That guy's never going to be. But if, like I, I mean, let's uh, to throw out examples that are. I, throw out some examples. Sam. I have one. It would be Chappelle or uh, Dave Chappelle is probably like the biggest one right now, because if you like his comedy, now you're you're turf, right? Uh, you can't. And he's people. I mean, the the left is really wanting to cancel him pretty hard. They're like, and if you like him or support, I don't, I don't even know what it means to support. But if you've, I mean, we've we've been watching Chappelle, Chappelle for. Quite a while since Chappelle's show, and of course there's been plenty of people that have had issues with him. Uh, I don't think evangelicals loved him back der- when he had the Chappelle's show, but I think thinking about the way that things have played out in that scenario is worth a few minutes because the pushback he got is what made him double down more. And we I've brought this up a little bit, but just let that double down. Well, he's—I do
2: society like where he—he he, get- yeah, but I don't think it counts the same for him as it does for someone else because he's a comedian. He's used to dealing with hecklers or something like if you come after him, that just gives him more material to do the thing that he does. So, like, I, I don't disagree with you about the whole Double Down Society, but I think in his case, it's a little different of like he's just trying to stoke a conversation because he wins either way, like and that, not even in a bad way. You know, for him, it's not that he's doing it out of some malicious intent, but like if he can or get you talking be. and thinking about it, maybe yeah, that's true. I, I mean, don't he, could I don't be. he think, doesn't seem like he is. But- yeah. But it, it seems like that he just, whatever the angle is, he's going to be able to make something. It doesn't right. matter which that's way important. it goes. He can work with it.
0: So doubling down helps him no matter what. Like, so that's, I think that's, I think you're touching on something that's important is like it trying to, trying to end that really stoked those flame. Uh, it didn't, it didn't help. Uh, I'm not saying you can't have, again, I'm not saying you can't have your takes. Uh, I just, I think we're, I, I don't know when we move past, like, I don't like what you said. I think what you said is dangerous. Okay. Let's flip this. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know if this is flipping it the way that I want to really, but whatever, I'll just bring this up now too, is, uh, we have this week where that, that pastor in Texas, of course, Texas, who is going on as like hate speech tirade. Right. I'm not flipping this the way that I originally intended to, but, um, he goes on this hate speech tirade uh, about how gays should be executed by the state because of the Bible and stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure exactly what church this is or how big it is, but it's now a national news story. Like, and who's making money off of it? Media channels are because it's an outrage machine. Now they get to make money off of people being outraged over something that isn't going to change. That guy's not changing his ideology. He's going (laughs) to double down. He's going to dig his heels in. He's going to keep telling his church the same old shit. And now the same people who wanted to, you know, possibly some of the same people who wanted to defund the police at one point are now calling the cops on this guy to have him arrested. And because they don't like what he's saying. Yeah. Nobody likes what he's saying, except for the few people who are there. I don't know what it could lead to. I don't know what you can do about it. I don't know that turning him into a national news
2: story is helping. Because he should have been left on his proverbial street corner just yelling about the end of the world, and like everyone could have moved on.
0: Like, what do you like? Why do we make everything that's awful a national news story? Like, what is it? it, Because I can only imagine most people think that that's awful here. I think in this country, most people would think that that's wrong. And the people who thought that are going to be like, Yeah, wow, that's crazy, right, guys? I can't believe there's people out there like that saying that stuff. And then maybe. Maybe people who wouldn't have thought too much about it are now, you know, pulled that one tick to his side. Uh, maybe it's easy, it's an easy done.
2: person to dunk on. It's like, oh, great. Another evangelical Christian with a, a really bad opinion on gay issues. Like, see, just like all the others in the same way that like, well, I don't want to get into too hot water here. There's plenty of evangelical leaders that like have only really made the news on a national level because it's just an easy target. It's like, yep, another yeah. hypocrite, another liar, another person who, you know, espouses the words of Jesus and doesn't live by them. You're right. You got him. You got another. Like most of the people in their congregation probably aren't thrilled about that either. Like they're and some of them are maybe a little bit too thrilled and agree with it too much. You're right. You know, some of them are scumbags. Most of them are probably embarrassed. That now this is a national story. Congratulations. You haven't accomplished anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess I just don't know I uh, what the point i think i feel that's why i feel a little defeated i feel really frustrated is i don't really know what the end game is for a bunch of stuff i don't know what the point is like i I don't think that like i feel like again this is one of those things where you talk about it and now you'll just be accused of thinking that you shouldn't take a stand against awful things but i think you should redirect that energy towards something more maybe than just getting angry about an awful take from some backwoods church with some nobody-nothing fucking pastor who wouldn't have been a national figure had he just led, left there. Like, so use your he's example. He's not Instead going of it just- to change his mind. You're not going to change what
1: he's saying. You, He's going to double but he, down. But he also doesn't represent the vast majority of people who you're going to target with a broad-sweeping generalization. Who are going well, to... There's there's a part of it like that drives people into these groups with lunatics. Like when, when, when you categorize people who are otherwise like pretty modern, but they happen to share space with someone who's a lunatic and you accuse them of being a lunatic like him, even though they might not be like, there's an elephant, there's an people have a tendency to get defensive and they do double down. And I'm trying to think of what a good example of that is, but like, I don't I don't know. I, it, there's what do you do with that example? What's what's beneficial to do I, with that right there?
2: I have an opinion. Uh use Sam's example of the whole notches thing, pulling the, what the activist said, pulling someone one notch or the other or one knot, it was a knot. Notch take whatever. I mean whatever. just moving you know, someone you know, over 1 degree, moving someone 1 degree. Like the wrong answer, I think, is to come back on that and be like, "Look, another evangelical piece of shit homophobe pastor." And if you're an evangelical or if you agree with this dude, you're a piece of shit too. This guy ought to be arrested. Like that's the wrong way because that pushes people towards doubling down not because they agree with that dude, but because you're attacking other things that don't really that aren't directly related. Versus, you have an opportunity to be like, "Hey, regardless of how you feel about whether or not Jesus approved of homosexuality." Like if you're going to come out from that angle of like you can have those beliefs, But do you agree that wanting to execute people for being gay, Jesus probably wouldn't have been on board with? Like, do you agree that that's wrong? What this guy is saying about this specific thing, that's wrong. That's an opportunity to move people one tick in your direction. You're not asking them to not think that homosexuality is wrong. You're asking them to think that that dude's wrong with the hateful thing that he said.
1: So that hopefully
2: next time they hear somebody say something hateful, they're like, wait, hold on. I I don't know about the whole gay thing. But that seems awfully hateful for no no reason. I don't understand why you're being hateful.
1: Soften the stance. Pull them farther away from the pole. The pole. Right. Make it feel like 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 you're welcome over here with the rest of society. <laughs> right. You know. I know you're still sorting some things out, but the water's nice over here. Like right. Come join. Do you really want to be in the you know David Koresh's church over here with the the lawn on fire? You know, or do you want to be over here with the rest of normal, reasonable society?
2: Right. Like, we don't love that you feel this way about gay people, but we acknowledge and respect that you're not a crazy person like that guy. Like, and, if you're cool, we'll be cool, as long as you agree that he is not.
0: And <laughs> I think this ties in. I do think this ties back a little bit to Chappelle is like, look, are you going to say all even if you're going to say all evangelicals are like that extreme version of it? Or agree with that take, then you're obviously wrong. Like, that's not how most would feel. And you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing any sort of mission a disservice by over, like, by painting with such a broad brush. And I don't think most people are doing that. I don't think most people are painting with that broad of a brush, but it doesn't mean that that's not going to make waves, uh, those comparisons. And I think that in the same way where, like, you could, Chappelle said a lot of fucked up things in his comedy over there, um, but he was also someone who is championed as someone, you know, for what he said and how he's communicated through comedy, what it's like to be a black man in America. Mm-hmm. And he's shit. He, should, he he's dunked on white people for
1: decades. And in, I can, in a I mean, way that's not pushed people away, but it's drawn them in. Yeah. Like,
0: and, uh, he also has had a problem with the way that it drew people in at one point, which is why he, disappeared he was like i don't feel like i don't think they're in on the joke the right way and it's making him it made him angry but i honestly feel like i feel like his comedy did a lot for me to like think about my reactions to things like oh my god he's making fun of me uh and you can laugh at it but you can also grow and change and so he he's been doing that for for decades (laughs) like and and now he comes out with um you know Originally, the whatever his jokes were that 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 made waves, I don't. I honestly don't remember what they were. I've watched all of the specials. They he put out a lot at one time. A lot of them blurred together. Um, so I I don't recall the specifics of the jokes. Uh, so I'm not gonna even try to maybe dig into that. But what I'm I remember hearing them being like, oof. I don't I don't know about that. Or one well, of they the weren't they weren't super like,
2: clever. I think that's one legitimate thing a lot of people jumped on. Or is like. He didn't have a super nuanced, clever, let's make you think about trans issues in a new light thing. It was kind of easy jokes for him. Yeah, And the fact that he came by in his last special and he explained more of his line of thinking and talked about his trans friend and everything. like I think maybe that was a little bit too little too late where it just felt like he was making excuses for like, yeah, I had some dumb jokes back in the day. Who didn't? This is how I actually feel about this. And I think to a lot of people, it was just like, yeah, but you said a lot of the dumb jokes. Like it wasn't it didn't really move the conversation forward, unlike his humor on so many other things does. And this felt like it was just a cheap like, eh, I can get a, a quick laugh here and go to the next thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. If that was his intent. It was a ham fisted.
2: Right. Attack. Like, we, we know he's better at this than that. And it felt like to a lot of people. He was just taking the cheap way out because it was an easy thing to make fun of. And then getting mad when people were like, that's a nasty thing to say for a cheap laugh. Like you can say horrifying things if the joke is good enough. And that's always been true. No matter how much people complain about how like you can't make jokes anymore and blah, 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 blah. Bottom tier humor that's not clever has always been ragged on. Uh, People who make really clever jokes, it almost doesn't matter how offensive it is. Mm You can't make a joke that's too offensive if it's smart enough.
0: Yeah, that and, definitely seems to be the I think that is the case in a lot of senses with with comedy. Um, and I feel like someone like Anthony Jesselneck is a good example of that where like I, I don't know if you guys have listened to his comedy. It's not for everybody. And some of it's tough. <laughs> comedy, it's, it's pretty, pretty rough. <laughs> but but I've never heard a punchline even if I didn't laugh, even if I was offended. I've never heard a punchline and not been like, but God damn it. I did not see that coming. You never do. He's very witty, super clever at crafting jokes. And I've been offended by some of those jokes. And I've never just been like, well, I guess uh, I don't believe in his comedy anymore. And I don't think anyone should have to be able to watch it. And I think if it offends you, that, that this comedy shouldn't exist. And I think like, yeah, I think one of the things Chappelle did that was stupid was I think he diverged from comedy in some ways and was like said dumb shit. Like gender is a fact like, no, it's that that does that sentence doesn't even make sense. Gender is a societal construct. So I don't know what you want to do with that Chappelle, but you're, you're the language around it's framed completely wrong. But I think now we're at a, it's what's frustrating is like, you can't respect his comedy. You can't still enjoy it without being considered a turf or part of the problem or that people like that need to go.
2: Well, says who? Only and, if you want to talk about it on Twitter.
1: Yeah. Well, like, look, here, here's what okay, I here's a good example of of this too that that not as many people will be as as invested because I think what part of this thing is is like this is only a struggle if you if you're invested in and value the person or the opinion or whatever that or the viewpoint that you're talking about that's in question. Because look, the fact of the matter is is like I hate the red hot chili peppers and I'm probably always going to hate them. And if, uh, what's his nuts from the red hot chili peppers, some sure. Whatever lead singer Flea, Yeah. All of, if, if all of them from the red hot chili peppers, if horrible uh-huh. news came out about them tomorrow, there was no chance. I was going to spend a lot of time with the red hot chili. I can, I can swear them off it doesn't cost me anything. And in fact, I'm like, eh, well, I don't even have to consider it anymore when people bring it up. Yeah, but w- w- when it's somebody that you're more invested in, it's not as easy as a decision. And I had this happen like very recently. Um, like I ca- I've i talked in the po- on the podcast quite a bit about how like I get very tied up with a-, a person and their ideas and stuff like that. And podcasting is usually the form it takes and, uh, you know, I go through like spurts where I'm just kind of absorbing as much material from a person that I that I've discovered as I can. The One of the more recent ones is Daryl Cooper, who does the, the Martyr Maid podcast. Yeah. And uh, I, the guy, the guy's a, he's a brilliant guy. He really is. And like I've shared a bunch of his stuff. Um, I've shared it with people on the discord and some other people have listened to it. Sam's listened to a bunch of it. Then I go, I kind of went looking for, you know, the other one that I've mentioned quite a bit that I I really love is Dan Carlin. And, uh, you know, he's got a great podcast. Hardcore History is a great podcast, but I really like his Common Sense podcast too, which is a more political, ideological discussions. Um, I went looking for, I thought, man, these two have mutual contacts. They cover a lot of the same types of material. There has to be some intersection here between Daryl Cooper and Dan Carlin, right? Maybe they've done a project together. So I go looking for it. Well, it turns out they did have an interaction and it was a very negative one on Twitter. Oh, interesting. So in the course of like reading about this, one of the things I find is like, there's a Reddit group about Martyrmaid and a lot of people in the Martyrmaid Reddit group were talking about how much they hated Daryl Cooper now because they, they found his his Twitter. And so I, I'm like, oh, great. So I go look at his Twitter and there's a lot of stuff on there that I don't agree with at all. Um, you know, and and some of that has come out in the podcast and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, he and Dan Carlin got in this heated interaction on Twitter during the Black Lives Matter protests. Daryl saw them as violent riots and that they should have called in the national guard and stopped them and stuff. And Dan Carlin is like very committed to the, you know, protesting is a right. And that's like, you know, quintessential American value is the right to protest. And you have to leave these in, well, the organizers of the protest should be prosecuted if it turns violent. Dan's like, well, look, no organizer of any protest can control what happens once there's, Hundreds of thousands of people there. And they just went back and forth. And Dan Carlin called him a fascist. (laughs) It It was a mess. If you didn't know anything about, if you hadn't listened to any of the Martyrmaid stuff, it would be really easy to look at that and be like, this guy is an idiot. And he has some really terrible ideas. And just write him off. But I've listened to a lot of his stuff. And in fact, like there's, I just finished a, before I found this, I just finished this like this very long series that he did on Jim Jones. and it's it's about Jim Jones and the People's Temple, but it runs simultaneously alongside a history of the civil rights movement. And it's great. I mean, it's fantastic. And like, I don't think you could listen to that explanation of the civil rights movement and the way he talked about Malcolm X and uh, you know, the the African Liberation Army and some of the other. His take on like some of the like white activists and the way that they co-opted the movement and used it for their own good and how that ended for both. Like, you know, all of the leaders of the blacks on the black side of the, the civil rights movement ended up either imprisoned or dead under mysterious or not mysterious circumstances, while the white leaders end up, you know... Uh, professors at princeton and stuff like that and celebrated and and going to the met gala and crap like that. like i don't think you could listen to this and come away thinking like daryl cooper is a white supremacist That's right just to it but regardless i don't like what i saw on his twitter and i don't agree with it what do you do with somebody when you find that paradigm because dave chappelle is a great example like i think yeah i think a lot of his takes On the LGBTQ community were just, I don't know, rudimentary, predictable, not very nuanced, not even, not very funny. I mean, there was just a lot there that you're like, why did you decide to take this shot?
2: They're the the takes of a guy who's been unplugged from the world for a long time and has been rich and kind of in the rich people bubble for a long time. And like, I, I think he's just not as plugged into that as he thinks he is. But for... That being said, as as much of a problem as that
1: is for a a lot of people, which a lot of the people that I saw screaming about Dave Chappelle during the height of the uproar, a lot of them were white. Considering like how much Dave Chappelle has done for for Black Americans and and um, you know just the in general just like awareness about you know issues affecting Black people and the that you know the way that his comedy and the, in his, and his activism and stuff has changed people's viewpoints for a bunch of white people to come along and say like, Nope, you're done. We need to get your, you know, your special taken down. We need this, we need that, you know, to like, try to shut him out and call it, you know, call it quits for him. I don't think you should, like, I, I really don't think it's your place to do that. I get where you're coming from. And I know that like, that hurts if you're like close to those people and it, and you feel that it hurts them. You that's not the, the summation of this guy who has this long career and history of activism. Like, and, and for you to say like, that's it, he should be gone or he should be, his material should be taken down. I just, it, it kind of rings of white privilege. I mean, that's white privilege, isn't it? I mean, for yeah, you to I- say you can't, you're done talking because I don't like what you say about something.
0: Yeah, I think what's different or tough uh, to parse out, and I think that's what we're, I guess, trying to do here is, the it, it would be like, it, because he's because he's joking on a he because he's he's joking on a group of people who are marginalized and at risk uh, of violence from others, high risk of suicide, like. There's a, and a lot of that's based on, you know, society. So this is what I think it's really difficult to parse out is I, I don't, I don't know how, this is what's tough about comedy, right? It's become pretty mainstream, and I think people who don't really like comedy end up watching comedy, and they shouldn't. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like they're all there because there's this like, oh, comedy comedians are the philosophers of today. I think some of them break out with some fantastic takes, but some of them just make dick jokes. Some of them talk about their old sex partners. Some of them aren't really coming out with these hot philosophical takes through comedy that's life it's like we're there to laugh we're there to have the worst parts of ourselves maybe exposed and pointed out and laugh at and there's like this mutual agreement uh, when you're in that scenario and in that setting that you'll kind of just set that shit aside and and laugh it and laugh and if you don't and you didn't like it you cannot like that part and you can like this part and things can be more than just one thing. And I think that's, what's tough, but it does. I'm not saying it doesn't complicate it when you start talking about people and then seemingly targeting them going forward, who are marginalized, who are at risk, who like, so it's not necessarily just like making fun of like, how many times do we watch Christians get mad when, when like comics made fun of Christians and or South Park made fun of Christians or whatever, like Christians. (laughs) Right. But they're not really a marginalized group in society and they're not at risk. And those jokes and those behaviors are not really going to have real negative ramifications outside of being personally offended. I can't guarantee. I don't think they do. And this is a conversation. You can have the same conversation about Joe Rogan, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Very much so. I don't know if you can guarantee that he's not solidifying in some people's minds that because talking about comedians as the philosophers of our day is really giving the listeners a lot more credit than it is. I think, sure. There are comedians who might have some great takes, real funny perspectives, and that really make you think about who you are and the kind of person you want to be. And all through a great comedic take there's a lot of fucking idiots who like dumb jokes that like just want to laugh they're not smart people they're not there to be philosophized to you're you're giving the listeners so much credit so i don't think defending comedians because and for that reason is good so that's not what you were doing i'm not saying that i'm just wanting to point out that take so i do think that You can't say that what Chappelle has said, and I would argue that what he originally said probably would have, I'll argue it, someone tell me I'm wrong if they want, Uh, that what he originally said could have fizzled out and objectively caused little to no harm. I don't know that the direction he's taken it hasn't solidified in some people's minds that that, uh, an ideology that could ultimately harm trans people. I I think that was a valid criticism. I do want to finish this point because I do also think Chappelle knows that his jokes also solidify racism in some stupid people's minds too. And he's taken that and said, this joke's worth that risk for me. So I think you can look at it that way too. And I don't know what you want to do with that. I just think that
1: I'm trying to look at it in a nuanced fashion. I think I went in a different direction than I originally thought of. Look, Chappelle's stuff's not gonna get taken down off of Netflix or anything else. And like that really wasn't my intention to like say, oh, leave poor Chappelle alone. It's more about like a lot of people identify with a lot of the other things that he's saying. And so to like to make him, you know, a pariah. Yeah. That that, you know, a person identifying with him. Doesn't really have a place over here with you, the right people. Yeah, I think that's that's where that problem. It's less. It's not so much about the person, that the the star that's saying those things. It's more about like, man, a lot of people value what he says on a lot of other topics, and to like to to toss him out of of polite society, you know, as a as a concept, it alienates people who do who feel that way. And like, I've definitely, I've felt that a lot over the, you know, over the years towards a few different people where it's like, you don't even agree necessarily with like what the person is saying at all, but like the, the vitriol and stuff with what people are coming at them and, and the people who support them and like them and stuff like that. It, it makes you feel like you're outside the loop, that, that circle. And it, I, I think it ultimately is, is harmful to the idea that you're trying to promote. Yeah.
2: What were, Jeremiah, what were you going to say? Uh, I think with Chappelle, I've got two examples, and he's one of them. I think you're right. If he had just done the first special, he made a couple corny trans jokes that weren't really that nuanced. And if people had, you know, there was some mild pushback then. And if he had just, in his very next special, done part of the bit he did in his last one to be like, hey, I realize I hurt some people. I'm sorry. I'm not going to make any more jokes about trans people. Let me tell you about this friend of mine. You know, here's why I made some of these jokes. It's not because I think poorly of you. It's actually because I want to include you in the same way I included gay people back in the day by making fun of them, blah, blah, blah. If he had just done that, everyone probably would have moved on. But he kept he made more jokes in the next special. And he then it, it irritated people. He he doubled down. And by the end, what people were saying was not so much of like Chappelle is a hateful bigot but Chappelle keeps feeding the hateful bigots and doesn't seem to understand or care that his words are doing that. And that's the problem in the same way that like JK Rowling could have just been a billionaire living on billionaire Island with all of her money. And everyone would have loved her for the rest of her life because she gave Harry Potter to the world, a series that has done a lot for a lot of different people and done a lot of great things. So the first time she put out a tweet that seemed kind of transphobic, like, and then she's followed it up with some statements about like, no, look, I've got concerns about this specific thing. It doesn't mean I treat people bad. I love people, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember exactly what she said, but like she put out some statements to the effect of like, you guys have got it all wrong. I'm allowed to have an opinion about this thing that doesn't perfectly agree with you. And it doesn't mean I'm a hateful person. But she just keeps coming back to that well over and over and over again to where people eventually flip to like, I think this is hate for you. Like, I, like, why is this the the hill that you want to die on? Why do you keep making this a thing? Is it because you just want the attention because you're not getting talked about enough? Is it because you're rich and you're bored and you're just looking for hills to die on? Like, whatever the reason is, you just keep coming back to this and it doesn't feel like you love us and you've got some issues. It feels this is starting to feel like you just hate us yeah. or like you, you just want to rip into us. And I think that's fair at a certain point for people to be like, it doesn't feel like your heart is in the right place, no matter what you're saying. Even if you're just asking questions or whatever, like it feels I think people's gut isn't necessarily wrong about that of like she's done it to herself. And in some ways, Chappelle's done it to himself, too. It. Uh, what's What's the actress, Gina Carano, who got fired? from the Mandalorian for making her, uh, her conservatives are treated like Jews in the Holocaust. And people were, were mad at the time of like, you know, she's been canceled because of her opinion, blah, blah, blah. She's been fired because of her opinion. It's like, no, she shared stuff like that before. And Disney, the most brand conscious company in the world said, you are one of our employees. Don't do that on social media. Like don't, We don't want you to share that opinion as long as you're employed of the mouse. And she was like, okay. And then two weeks later she did it again. And like, she, she kept poking the bear and then eventually they fired her. And like, that's really the reason she got fired is because of like Disney's uh, brand conscious social media policies. And because they didn't want her poking the bear, like regardless of what they think about anything that she was saying, that was totally irrelevant. Like, and so you can't help, but feel a little bit bad for her of like, does she actually think that conservatives are treated like worse than Jews in the Holocaust? Probably not. She doesn't seem like she lives under that much of a rock. However, she kept coming back to that. Well of being like, here's my hot take. Here's my spicy meme. Here's all my spicy anti COVID restrictions memes." And eventually they bitter enough that like, Eh, you kind of deserved some of that. Not that doesn't mean you're a horrible person, but like, like
1: you, you're you, choosing to compromise your your. You're trying to turn yourself your into a
2: martyr for the dumbest reason. Like yeah. this is a super dumb meme hill to die on, but we- you and so many others have decided to. The difference is, you're not like a 35 year old mom posting dumb stuff on Facebook when you're bored when your kids are at school during the day. Like you're a famous actress working for one of the most brand conscious companies in, in the planet on the planet. That's the difference.
1: Well, and that's that exact sort of situation played out on the other side of the fence this week with uh, this uh, reporter, Felicia Sonmez. Yeah. She works for The Washington Post, and it it is a very similar sort of thing in a way because there was another reporter for The Washington Post that retweeted this like it was a dumb, sexist joke. That just it was a boomer joke about women it's not even worth repeat but it was dumb and uh, you know I can understand for sure that it would ruffle feathers with a lot of people I mean I I, I saw it and I'm like, why are you doing it? what are you doing it's just like when somebody elbows you and makes a, a comment about someone and you're like, yeah what are you what year do you think this is you know? <laughs> but uh you know when when you have a problem with a coworker, in almost any situation, you know, especially if you're a high-ranking person within a company, there's a channel for that. It's called Human Resources, and you go through Human Resources. If you feel like you need to involve the the, the company hierarchy in this deal, you know, uh, you could always go directly to the person. So she screenshots this post and retweets it, right? And instantly, you know, big uproar and stuff like that. Um, the guy apologized. He a
0: guy retweeted that, it with a comment of like uh, making a point about I can't believe we work for a company that allows for someone to say something like this. Like mm, there was that- no
1: there was no point at which like the way that I understand it is like that was the first move. It wasn't yes. like I went to the Washington Post and said, hey, I'm offended by this. Can you talk to him about this? Can he take it down? The first move was to be like the Washington Post is a place where this is allowed. Yep. So the guy apologizes. He's a guy that came to her defense when she made comments about Kobe Bryant being accused of rape and stuff like that right after his death. Not Ooh. the most tasteful thing in the world. Um, and this guy had come to her defense. and stuff. So th- there was some history there that wasn't just like contentious. Um, after big tweet storms and stuff like that, and the guy apologized and all that stuff. The Washington Post suspended him for 30 days, which seemed like a strange move considering like how far the situation had advanced. They sent out some sort of memo saying like, Hey, if you have a problem with a coworker channel it through HR, please, you know, blah, blah, blah. And and then she screenshots this email and posts it on Twitter. And like, this is what happens when you speak your mind and bl- and like just continually did this until at some point the Washington Post is was like, after capitulating a number of times when they probably should have said, Hey, this is our policy, like you really shouldn't do this. They they fired her. And and like from what I've seen from from her, you know, it's been a you know, I stood up for myself and I stood up for women, and then I was fired for my job. It's like you were fired because you burned down the company that you worked for. We giving them no chance to react to the thing that you're upset about. And they didn't
2: meet your perfect standard. It retroactively, and you went right to war. Like they, like you, you opened with "I'm gonna nuke you," and you <laughs> didn't really give them a whole lot of options at that point.
1: Yeah, and then you nuked them like three times. <laughs> That's what happened. You know, if if I had a problem with one of my coworkers, especially one that was high up the chain and I just dished it out on Facebook where all of our contemporaries and stuff like that are, all of our customers are and stuff. There would be ramifications. That's that's working at a company, you know? And like you choose to make those those moves. I just think I don't, you know, like what's what's the takeaway here? I think that's yeah. that's what everybody's yeah. always wondering because I I feel like it's like most things there's not really a concrete course of action that, that you can call for in this regard. Uh, it's just
2: delete your social media. I think is the only like concrete <laughs> course of action that has any chance of improving the situation is get rid of it. <laughs> right. I right. Like,
0: I, I, I feel like the takeaway. Yeah. I don't think it's clear cut, but I do think, I mean, we've talked, we don't need to go on a whole lot longer about all this, but we've, you and I have talked a lot about free speech, uh, where you draw the line, how you draw the line. Um, and I, it feels like in a lot of the ways, the things that we've even talked about tonight don't necessarily like in our country, the way it works right now, they don't violate like
1: free speech. Uh, it's not like you're yelling fire in a building. You're not, I Let's understand. Be Sam you. thinks you should be able to scream that Sandy hook was fake.
0: Yeah, I do. And I'll die on that hill. <laughs> I'm going to tweet about it later. And but that's I, where
1: we disagree. Yeah. <laughs>
0: The cause, willing to die on the same
2: hill as so many crisis actors of years past. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, so I oh, you all red. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's not, I think it's just tough. I think what's frustrating, we live in another, this has come up so many times shedding that evangelical world is like what we got tired of is like clean clear cut answers where everyone just spoon feeds you the way it works and you just have to go okay and fucking get fat on it or choke to death. But like, it's just, you get sick of that and you're like, I, I don't, I don't want to be spoon fed this information anymore. I don't, I don't trust that this like gets all wrapped up with a neat and tidy, perfect little bow on it. And I'm not chasing that on the other side either. And I think that's what people want from all this shit. And it doesn't, Make the des- the desire for that is not wrong. The desire for it's totally normal. I think we're always chasing and looking for ways to make sense of the world. And when when things are too much of an anomaly, the easiest thing to do is to cut that out and make it so that thing can't exist anymore. Make and it black and white. Yeah, and you you, so you can have try a black to get and it white off opinion. your radar. And I, so I I understand that. I think what I to me the takeaway is like I I have probably leveled out a little bit. Uh, On what I, despite the dangers that can come from allowing people to have a platform to say something, never mind the fact that all these platforms are owned by companies that can do whatever they want like let's be real you're not you're not you're you're not garnering a crowd at the Capitol with a bullhorn and getting a bunch of people to listen to you because they really like your takes you take away people's social media presence and they're just useless fucks like the rest of us that's fine so i don't like I think you have to add that into the mix too, that these are private companies that can do whatever they want. And then what? So what now we have to have a conversation about capitalism and how capitalism works and how dangerous unfettered capital, like all this shit is so connected that you can't just solve it. And you have to accept that there's going to be things in this world that you don't like. And I know that the general response to three white men saying this stuff, but, and you have to address that even though it's obvious and we have before, like, the response is, well, we're not at a disadvantage. We're not going to be harmed by any of this language. Things are going to ultimately work out pretty much pretty well for us. And
2: to that, I say, that's why you all should have been born white men, too. I don't know what you want me to do about that. <laughs> that's Look,
1: that's don't, your
2: mistake. Don't worry. Statistically, the odds are really high. One of us will die of a fentanyl overdose <laughs> or suicide like a good midwestern white man does but until then you're gonna to have to put up with us trying to fix the world's problems through a podcast that's yeah. just those are the rules
0: no but i do i do think that it does it's like i understand that we don't aren't objectively going to be hurt by a lot of the things that happen uh that we get to talk well, about most
2: people aren't either if they get off social media and i'm not trying to be like let me fix all of your problems here like there there's actual harm that comes by as a result of that some of that stuff but like you do get to choose to a large degree how much you participate in it. it doesn't mean those hateful people don't exist but they always existed the hateful people were always there somewhere you can choose to contribute some extra light to them if you think you can make a positive difference but if if you are able to be honest enough with yourself to know that what you're getting out of this is a cathartic like i want to win one for the team i want to get a dunk i want to make a point i want to do whatever it's probably healthier for you just not to participate. And it doesn't mean you have to choose the healthy option, but like if you're trying to go for what's the healthy option here, what's going to make me less depressed about the state of the world, not participating in that part of it is okay. Social media isn't real. Like it's a, it's a cosplay land where people LARP, the witty version of themselves or whatever. Like, And I'm not I'm not talking about just like sharing pictures of your vacation and what the thing you cooked with your family. Like there, there's that side of social media. But, you know, talking about like the Twitter side of things, like you don't have to be there. No one has to be there. What's, what's really
1: sad is when you find, like I was looking around on Twitter today and uh, when you find someone who's trying to be that like ideological pundit you know, getting attention with their hot takes and stuff like that. And it's just not really happening for them. You know, they're like, they're not garnering the attention that they hope they would. And a lot of it is because they don't have a very clear witty take on a lot of things. It's just sad. It's sad to look, look at and just, I don't know. It comes across as like pathetic when you're obviously angling for attention by saying the most inflammatory thing you can, but it's not funny or witty enough for anybody to care
2: that you're saying it. I don't know. It- That's how <laughs> I feel about Elon Musk a lot of the time. It's oh, like yeah. You're involved in like these five different companies. You have, I think, very selfish reasons for wanting to save the world. Like you want credit for saving the world, but whatever. Like you're working on some better ideas than some oil companies. So sure, I'll support you for that. But like, why, why do you feel like spending an hour on Twitter a day having dumb takes with people like you could spend all of your time laying on like a couch being carried around by servants being like spoon fed grapes and you have enough money to pay all those people like six figures to do that and never miss the money like you'll take care of these people you're going to be nice to the people popping grapes in your mouth but like you could be doing that all day every day being carried around like why do you even use a cell phone like you're, you've reached the level of wealth and power where you don't even have to touch phones. Other people can do all of that for you. Like you can be ferried around on a cloud of opulence for the rest of your life while you're trying to save the world. Why are you arguing with people on Twitter? It's
1: not what he wants.
2: Right. If I had he wants to be a public million, figure. You would never hear from me again. There's a lot
1: of those. You would be a Russian oligarch.
2: Exactly. Well, you know, I don't feel like I want to sign up for them, but I've said this before. I don't know if I've said it to you guys, but about certain former evangelical leaders who refused to leave the public spotlight. I would like to think that if I had such a big fall from grace and was so fabulously wealthy, I would have the wherewithal to be like, you know what? I lost that one. However, I can win by buying a giant cabin in the middle of the mountains in my own 5,000-acre preserve, and you will never hear from me again, and I'm going to have the best (laughs) life over here by myself. I would like to think I would have the wherewithal to be like, you know what you shouldn't do? Get back on Twitter. That's 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 probably not the move.
1: It's like Jerry Falwell Jr., it's like I'm try, oh, still
2: I, I trying to be – I wasn't a, thinking uh, about him at all, just definitely a different person. I, well, you weren't. I, I certainly was. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, okay. I, but, know uh,
1: I know you don't think about him at all, so that's, yeah. that's important. But <laughs> no one cares what you think. You're not a statesman. You're not well spoken, you're not a good public speaker, you're not good at any of this. You just had the steering wheel at the biggest evangelical insti- educational institution in the in the country for a while. That was the only reason you're prominent. Now that you're you're not at the helm of that machine anymore, no one cares. You don't have the kind of money to buy yourself importance. Like you need to just go open a chain of subways and shut up and disappear and enjoy your upper middle-class lifestyle. Like get out of here. Let's, um, f-
0: let's all do a couple of quick final takes on this. Cause I, I if you yeah. have one, cause I have one more uh that I want to get out before we leave. So a lot of this podcast is because we've, all been wrong about a lot of things our entire life and we've made those shifts we've made plenty of them despite their discomfort and those were always done and they always happen slowly and because of conversations and relationships with people who loved us even though we had bad takes a seed got planted and then it a little while now just for example like I know right now I, I obviously have to be wrong about something I try that's why I try not to be too dogmatic I try to hold my opinions in an open hand rather than a closed fist and I try to like not take ha- just err on the side of empathy on most things uh, but I'm sure I'm wrong about something and it's hard to know what because everyone you wouldn't believe what you do if you didn't think you were right so I think you're wrong about Sandy Hook <laughs> So if you so you you take things like this or any other platform where you 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 listen to it because you like their perspective or you like the people regardless of maybe some of their bad perspectives uh, and you you as a listener participate in in elevating that voice, whether it's a, a comic or an actor or a newscaster or just a, any sort of public figure, like it's individuals who elevate them and they, they do that with people whose takes they appreciate. Um, but then if that person says something they don't like, they want to, you want to take it all back. And we want people, we want heroes. We want spokespeople that are complete kind of copies of ourselves in a lot of ways. So when they have those takes that you like, you're like we need to elevate this because this person's articulate and can say what they say, what I'm thinking and what I think is best. And then when they go, when they diverge on a topic or maybe it's like, ah, shit, we need to get this person out of here quickly. And that's just not that we live in a world where it can't work like that. And we're so interconnected and interlocked now that like we're only we're all we've built up all these walls. We've, as Jeremiah, you pointed out at the beginning, like our echo chambers kind of like build themselves up to become their own their own things and and they're they're separate and they're you're rewarded for clashing but not necessarily having a good public discourse. I don't know. I think what's concerning about where we're at um in light of everything we've talked about is that there isn't a good form of public discourse about complicated things or things that aren't complicated that you really believe someone's emphatically wrong about and that you believe they're views and ideas cause objective harm to people I, there's still i don't know that how i don't know that we can create a better i don't know that we can create a better world without finding a way to have conversations in a, in a space where you can not i don't know where i, where you well, can I think the still, answer is that's the only move that's the only move forward right like what else can you do you either like keep these partitions and everyone doubles down and grows their base and grasps people in who find them whose ideal who ideologically is going to align with those. Or you find a way to say, like, maybe we shouldn't just allow these people to just like fall into these stupid fucking groups that do nothing for them. And we should create a way and have a space where we can where we can have these discussions and, and, and we can encounter people who might change our minds or at least allow us to see a part of their soul that's worth
2: loving in any way. I, I, if you can be honest enough with yourself, when you're tempted to participate in one of these debates, you just have to, or one of these conversations on social media, you want to get involved at all. Just ask yourself, are you trying to make the ditch or the trench one foot deeper? Or are you trying to make the bridge one foot wider? Like, what side of this are you hoping to, uh, to hop in on? And if you're not able, if you don't know the answer to that, that's okay. Like if you're having an emotional response to something because you saw somebody's uh, spicy tweet about adoption for Christian families, and you just have a bunch of jumbled ideas in your head and you know that it's mostly emotional, probably the right answer is don't participate right now. Write the tweet, save it in your drafts, you know, give yourself the pat on the head for the dunk, come back tomorrow, think about it, decide if you need to participate. But like you, you have the option of being the person that, either scored points, temporary worthless internet points for uh, your team, whatever that is, or it's possible you could be the person that someone private messages like two years later to be like, Hey, you said something and it got me thinking about something in a different way. And like, I feel 10% different about this thing now. Thanks. Like you're the person who got me to see this issue in a slightly different light because you disagreed with what I thought, but you made sense. and you seemed reasonable, and I think a little bit differently now.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. And Twitter you, might you know be what?
2: too
0: far gone also. Yeah, we I think can it leave it. We yeah. can talk about how Twitter <laughs> might just be too far gone of a space where you're like, if you're there, you you know why you're there. You, you're expecting, you want to dunk on people, you want to get retweeted. Uh, Twitter might just not, you might have your personality on Twitter, and then maybe you'll uh, be a little bit different in real life too, but
1: I don't know. Yeah, I, I think My big thing that I, I think you got to keep in mind is just like make allies, not enemies. Like in all of these arenas, you just, you don't win by making more enemies. Like you, you win by making allies. And I'm, I'm worried that we're going to find that out in a big way in the next election and the next two elections. Yeah. Um, I think there's like, it's really tempting To let yourself think about, like, especially when it comes to politics, it's really tempting, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, that, like, you're going to vanquish the other side. And you're just, I I hear a lot from people on the left that are like, you know, we're basically just waiting for these people to die. Like, all these ideas go away when these old people die. And that's just not the case. The ranks are swelling. I mean... Through whatever events are happening, you know, their ranks are swelling and it's not all just angry white people like their ranks are swelling in the, you know, among Latinos and and, uh, you know, other other nationalities and and, uh, minorities and stuff like that. So this like this all out war, no holds barred approach to like shouting down the other side is just not going to get you where you want to go. And if I have to, if I have to admit to the one thing that I was wrong about, I did buy a copy of Going Rogue by Sarah Palin at one point. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't read it, though. I mean, I don't read books.
2: Yeah. But just to add a caveat to what you're saying, none of that ever means, though, that you like call out hate where there's hate. You know, sometimes you do have to have a line in the sand on some stuff. And I think there are certain elements of a certain political party (laughs) that. Are focused on like we're going to be the stone wall that everybody else breaks upon and we will call you demon baby killer groomers if you come anywhere near us like you're not going to be able to do a whole lot about those people but they're not the majority of the voting block. They're the solid base that's never going anywhere and you can't do anything about them. And like you said, they're, they're unfortunately not getting smaller in the way that you would hope they would, but they're still not the whole voting group. They're just the base in the same way that there's a base on the other side. Like the, the contest is not for the base. It's for all of the people that maybe you disagree with a lot of their values, but you guys can both agree in some of the disgusting ways the government should and shouldn't be done. And right. You can find a lot of common ground there. You're not going to find common ground with the crazy people. Yep. ever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's definitely. I think that's. Uh, I think that's a maybe a good place to end it. Like, Let's <laughs> call this mess to a close. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we I solved it, finding, guys. We did it. Finding. Just we did that. it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because we, yeah,
0: I don't know. Ah, God, we don't need to, I want to say more. Yeah, yeah, it's Sam, no it.
2: more qualifications. Just have it. your hot take. Just stick to it. We solved no, it. It's not, we solved not it. It's hot fine. Takes.
0: I'm not looking to qualify anything. I just think, I, I like the way you sum that up. I I Because there isn't, there are things that are worth talking about. I think there's just better channels and ways to do it. And right. I think there's ways you can do it that actually are counter-effective to your means. And I think that's kind of what we're what this, we're getting at this Daryl guy and Dan
2: popular. Carlin should have had that conversation over a beer and a joint after they did a joint podcast together and they could have argued about it. Right. Like that's where now, that conversation I have should have had that a
1: podcast. That would have been yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, as always Jeremiah and I's stated mission is to eventually, uh, have Sam buy a gun.
0: It's dude, it's so messed up because they keep <laughs> buying me AR 15s and sending them to my house. Yeah,
2: I keep I keep just I as soon as I get the serial number filed off, I just pop it in the mail, send it to Sam. It's totally legal. If it's not legal, Sam doesn't know the difference because he doesn't know anything about guns. Yeah, I,
0: I don't even know what to do I get it, and I'm like, well, I don't want this, so I just go drop it off. It I like, send a local him the YouTube
2: instructions oh, I mean, like, so easy. So easy his foster kids can figure out how to assemble that gun themselves. And you know yeah, what? exactly. <laughs> That's the future the liberals want. <laughs> like,
1: Jeremiah's actually taken to using that excuse with uh, crappy cars, too. He keeps telling his <laughs> wife, like,
2: I'm holding this for Sam until he comes around. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Sam's going to want to get eight miles per gallon because it makes this noise every time you push the right pedal. He's going <laughs> to like it. You can watch birds fall dead from the sky when I drive it, but man, it just makes you feel something.
1: All right, everybody, uh, thanks for listening. If you agree, if you disagree, if you hate this, if you want to yell at us, the best place to do this is on Discord, and you can find the links in our social media accounts. Uh, it's a fun place to hang out. There's a lot of really cool people there that are regulars now. I think I feel like we got a really, we've just got a good group nowadays, and. Yeah it's a conversation you want to be in on. So and
0: if we post, when we post about this on Instagram, I'll probably throw everything I said out the window and respond to all of your comments snarkily and be very dismissive <laughs> dismissive of them possibly, but I'll try not to. Hey, social media,
1: you're in yep. the toilet. You're going to wrangle a turd. <laughs> and with that, we will see you next time.